Thank you. Uh, again, thank you for deciding to be a part of this uh, online and on-site worship celebration. Um, all humans have experienced pain and uh, all of us seek to protect our uh, inner selves, our souls, our spirits, our, what we call it all, our inner selves and all kinds of things, but we try to protect ourselves from more suffering and pain. Um, whatever we refer to, whether souls or hearts or spirits or something else, we build up walls of protection and uh, then we think, if I just change the way I act, if I solve my problems or my issues and I get the right attitudes, or if I just get other people to fix themselves, um, that, that'll, that'll really do it. If I just get everybody else to fix, get fixed, that'll fix all my problems. Um, and we all will eventually become exhausted and frustrated because genuine growth and change uh, has to start in us, deep inside of us. Uh, knowing Jesus transforms our values, our beliefs, our, uh, and our characters, experiencing his unconditional love, heals our wounds and our temperaments are tamed and uh, shaped, become more like him. And we are in the process of these weeks here leading up to Easter of discovering how we can live a life of growth and that uh, starts on the inside and moves out. And what does it mean? What does it really mean to be a mature follower of Jesus? Um, even ask the question. I'm, a, I'm afraid to even ask the question because so many uh, of us automatically have an answer that pops into our heads. And I'm, I'm just going to say this out loud. I'm pretty sure it was the wrong answer. Just hang on and stick with me and we'll find out. Uh, today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. If you ever want to find out what maturity isn't, go to the letter, especially the first letter to the church in Corinth. Um, if there's ever been a church that had a problem, uh, the church in Corinth had all of them. Uh, I don't, they were gifted. They really were. They were, they were gifted, but they also had a lot of issues. And they were, and they had sent, they, it seems from the way the letter, is, First Corinthians is put together, it seems like somebody had sent the Apostle Paul of a laundry list of it of their issues. We got this long list of people. We got all these things that need to be fixed, Paul, because he seems to start some some of the sections. Well, in regards to this, in regards to this, well, about this thing, 
you know, and you ask about this. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First 10 verses. Paul's still kind of reminding them of when he was there and started the church. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with superior eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony of God. For I decided to be concerned about nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My conversation and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Now, we do speak wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are perishing. Instead, we speak the wisdom of God, hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things that no eye has seen or ear heard or mind imagined are the things God has prepared for those who love him. God has revealed these to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So Paul says, I came to you, didn't, didn't want eloquence. I simply came to you, not with human wisdom, but with God's wisdom. So that brings this question. What's the difference? What's the difference between human wisdom and God's wisdom? Uh, there's at least three things that Paul points out in this section. Uh, human wisdom sounds marvelous. He said, I didn't come with you to you with eloquence. I came to you with God's testimony, focusing on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Human wisdom sounds marvelous. It's filled with grand phrases and inspirational ideas. In contrast to God's wisdom, which tells the story of Jesus, which is simple. I went through the book of Acts. If you're not sure how simple this is, let me tell you. I went through the book of Acts, and you can check me if you want. I don't care. You can go through the book of Acts. And you can go look at every single one of the sermons in the book of Acts. It has a very simple outline, every one of them. The words are different, but the outline is the same. Jesus before, Jesus crucified, Jesus now. That's all he talked about. 
That's it. Go to Philippians chapter 2. It's one of those passages that I think we ought to read a lot. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Jesus left the throne, became a human being, served us, was sacrificed for us, was raised from the dead, and now is seated. It's going to be, every knee is going to bow. That was the sum. That's the total. Jesus, then, Jesus crucified, Jesus now. That was it. That's all they talked about. <clears throat> Human wisdom sounds so good. Sounds so good to us. Now, we argue about it because there are a wide variety of versions of human wisdom. I mean, even then, I mean, there was Aristotle, and there was Plato, and there was Socrates, and then the Romans had their versions, and now we have modern versions. We've had, and, and, and then there are the philosophers who aren't philosophers, but they are philosophers because, well, it, it's, they don't believe in philosophy, but that's their philosophy. Kind of like all the Christian church denominations that aren't denominations because they don't believe in denominations. I find those are very interesting people to be with. I, the people who don't believe in what they are. No, I, we, don't, I, we don't believe in this. Okay. But you're actually trained to be that. No, we're not. But they come up with, we, as human beings, we come up with all these arguments. We have this wide variety of versions, the whole purpose of which is that we want to seize what we see in front of us and fix it. We somehow think that we can make everything right. I'm going to borrow a question from Dr. Phil, because it's a good question. How's that working for you? <laughs> We've been at it for thousands of years. Are we doing a good job or not? Not. You know, we've got this group over here saying, if we do this, this is going to fix everything. We've got this group over here going, you guys are nuts. we got to do it this way. We've got this group over here. You're both nuts. we got to do it this way. And they all, if you listen to them, their logic is pretty good. We have even good church folks who have their own philosophy of how we ought to fix things. It sounds good.
But God's wisdom is a basic, simple story. Jesus, Jesus crucified, and Jesus now. Jesus then, Jesus crucified, and Jesus now. Human wisdom passes away. God's wisdom exists forever. Paul says, this is, God's wisdom was hidden in a mystery before the ages, before he even created time. God had already figured out the story of Jesus. Now, we still know a little bit about Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates, but not a whole lot of people run around claiming that they're following that philosophy anymore. So they, they, really, you know, we, we, we know some of these different philosophies and the modern, but the day, the today, the thing is, we just don't believe in anything. There are no, there are no absolutes beyond the absolute, but there are no absolutes. That's one of those things where you, you don't believe in the thing you say you're believing in. That's, I, I, I get confused by that. But it's because I'm an old guy. Um, human wisdom passes away. It's a fad. It looks good now, and then later it doesn't look good. Because somebody comes up with a new idea. That sounds better. But God's wisdom stands the test of time. A wisdom that's eternal. God's wisdom has been revealed by the Spirit. It's not something human beings speak, dream up. Human wisdom is, is that thing that we, we come up with in our effort to kind of make things right the way we think that we can. And God's Spirit is the one who reveals God's wisdom because God's Spirit knows even the deep things of God, Paul says. The difference is God's wisdom leads to health, healing. Human wisdom leads to death. <clears throat> The, the ancient Jewish writer of Proverbs, whoever collected them, one of the, his Proverbs goes this way. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way that leads to death. That's a fairly good summary of every human wisdom, system of human wisdom, everyone. Looks good, sounds good, doesn't work. If we just do this, it's going to fix everything. Do you know why all of those things don't work? One of the reasons it doesn't work, we have an uncanny knack of ignoring what I call the Law of unintended consequences. I'm going to go way, way back to when I was in high school and we had this wonderful insecticide called DDT. It killed everything. 
uh, literally, unfortunately. It was great for killing insects. We have solved the, the, the insect pests problem has been solved because we have created DDT. Except that it also killed birds and other animals and people. Uh-oh. The law of unintended consequences bit us. So we had to outlaw it. Oops. Well, if we just have enough nuclear weapons, nobody's ever going to bother us. We thought we had that one all figured out and worked out, and now all of a sudden I'm starting to see people getting worried about it all over again. Oops. Human wisdom in all of its various forms seeks to seize control of the present in an attempt to control and to create the future outcome that we all want, that we all crave. Mature followers of Jesus develop a, what is essentially a countercultural point of view, and that is that the only way there's going to be the kind of future we want is for us to get into God's kingdom. We were created to live in God's kingdom. That's where sickness ends. That's where death ends. That's where every tear is dried. That is where our problems, our issues are solved. That's where our hurts are healed. This attempt to manipulate the future into the outcome we crave is only going to continue to lead to more and more frustration and more and more failures. And so for us as followers of Jesus, if our points of view, if our paradigms, if our mindsets, if our way of thinking fit comfortably with any of these point the human systems of wisdom. Something needs an adjustment. The varieties of human wisdom can overwhelm us. This is one of those things I think that we need to be constantly seeking the Holy Spirit's direction on and discernment on in terms of trying to assess it. It's going to feel like we're constantly swimming upstream. If you, if any of us start feeling like we're comfortable in this world, we have made a mistake. This world is not my home. I'm just traveling through. We're aliens here, folks. We are foreigners here. It ought to feel weird. If it doesn't feel weird, something's wrong.
Swimming against this current is a challenge, but we're not alone. You're not alone. A sermon in a sentence. Swimming against the current is a challenge, but you're not alone. Jesus, Jesus went against the current of human wisdom during his lifetime. Constantly. He ran into it with the religious leaders who just could not figure out why he didn't fit the box that they thought he ought to fit. The Roman political leaders couldn't figure out he didn't act like a, he said he was leading in a kingdom and that sounds rebellious, but he didn't look like or act like a rebel. No. One of his guys had a sword he tried to use it and he healed the guy he used it on. Boy, that doesn't sound like somebody leading a rebellion. That doesn't make any sense. But he doesn't fit the box, but he acts like he's a rebel. We got to get rid of him. His own disciples couldn't figure him out. The same spirit that filled Jesus fills us and empowers us as we are, as we try to swim against the current, as we try to get a hold of God's wisdom, as we try to reject and refuse human wisdom and turn to God's wisdoms, and we're swimming against that current, we're not alone. We can welcome the Holy Spirit's presence with us. We can welcome his presence with us. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, we need you. The people around us need you. We all need you to restore our souls, to heal our inner being. We need you to whisper courage and boldness and freedom into existence where there has been fear and hurt. We need you to calm our hearts, refresh us in ways that actually change us deeply. We don't need you to fix the problems out there. We need you to work in here inside us. We need you to clear our minds. Make each of our thoughts purest kind, the kinds that are focused on you. Shape us around the story of Jesus. Shape our thoughts and our minds around the story of Jesus. We need you to mend our, our relationships, our marriages, our families, our friendships. We need you to give us the attitude of Jesus as we care for and serve each other. We need you to guide our decisions with God's wisdom. Give us his perspective Help us to let go of what we think that, that intense desire to try to make things happen. 
We need you to heal us. <coughs> we want to be free to obey you quickly and completely. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and work in our lives to bear the kind of fruit that Jesus said that we would bear if we lived in relationship with him. Enable us to provide as individuals, as, as a congregation, help us to provide environments where people meet Jesus and his transforming power. Fill us with so much of his love, individually and collectively. Fill us with so much of his love that that, that love shapes and motivates everything we do. Holy Spirit, we need you to come and take, take the prayers of our hearts and this feeble attempt and translate them into God's will for us. We want nothing less than his will. So come to your work. I want to thank those of you who joined us online. If you have not joined our Champions of Hope Facebook group, the uh, link for that is in the uh, description for the event. I invite you to do that. It's an opportunity to connect with others who are infusing folks with the uh, hope of Jesus. Well, folks, every one of us, as uh, you go to live as those sent by Jesus, May the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your hearts. Amen. You are sent. Go with Jesus. <coughs>
Well, I 